In the spirit of reconciliation, Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to the land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hi and welcome to this special bonus episode of Dish the Dirt. I'm your host Rebecca and today I'm speaking with Kristen from Mountjoy Cottage. Kristen was in a bad place mentally after a car accident in November 2013. Since then her garden has become her sanctuary, a place of calm and joy amongst the medical chaos. With her family she farms a wide variety of flowers including spring bulbs and dahlias. This was the first time I have had the pleasure to chat to Kirsten and to be honest I felt oh I just felt very humbled after our conversation and humbled that she felt brave enough to share her story on this podcast. What a story of love and courage it is. It's just what we need at this time I think in Victoria. During this time in Victoria it's important to check in on each other, support your local businesses that are allowed to be open, stay home, stay safe. Right, let's get into today's episode. Hello. Hi. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Oh, that's good. It's lovely to speak to you. Yeah, good to speak to you too. I was just looking through your Instagram at your beautiful flowers. Just doing <laughs> a little bit you. of a stalk. I like to do that just before I'm chatting to someone. <laughs> that's okay. They are gorgeous. Oh, Thank you. So beautiful. Um, yeah. I love oh, the bar- – what's it called? Oh, now I can't find it, but um, it was like a beautiful – Oh, what is it? Barberry Bell? Bell? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah, Barbary Bell. I yeah, love that one. <laughs> oh, I love gorgeous. the water lily dahlias. So yeah, they're not beautiful. a fantastic one for picking. Yeah. Because they don't they don't have a great um just they don't have a great as far as life as the other one. But yeah. Oh my oh, gosh, they're stunning. just stunning. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So let's chat a little bit about your story, I guess, yeah. just where you began, why you started growing flowers, um, yeah, how you got to this point. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't necessarily an easy beginning. Mm. So it kind of started that pretty much I had a major car accident at the end wow. of 2013. And pretty much I ended up having quite a lot of surgeries and ended up with, um, unfortunately, some significant mental health problems. And so I got to the point where pretty much I wasn't really leaving my room, wasn't really talking to anyone, wasn't really talking to my family or anything. And my brother um, started, none of our family were really into gardening. And my brother just out of the blue just started doing some little cuttings in the carport um, at night after work. And he all of a sudden one night said, right, you're coming and sitting outside with me and I don't care if you don't talk to me, you're just coming and sitting with me, why do it? I don't care. You're just coming outside. And <laughs> I, so pretty much I was forced outside to sit with him while he was doing his gardening and pretty much for a little while for I didn't talk to him. I hated him for it for a while. Yeah. And then eventually I started saying, what are you doing? 
And then eventually it was, oh, well, what flower is that? And then slowly he um, bought a few daffodil bulbs to put in the garden because at that point it was mum's garden was mainly just a few old um, old fashioned roses and mainly just greenery. And then oh, he bought some daffodil bulbs and put them in the ground. And yeah. then they started to flower. And I started to pick a couple and I'm like, oh, okay. And I took them to my doctor's appointments. And for some reason, I don't know, it just, I couldn't, for everything else in my life, when I couldn't do anything else, I couldn't wash my own hair, I couldn't go to work, I couldn't play sport, all of my old passions that I couldn't do anymore, Mm. I could do that. And the smile it put on their faces was amazing. And they were just these beautiful things. I could do that. It was something that I could do. And it was just, for these. Very empowering. Yeah, it was just, and then we bought some more bulbs. (laughs) (laughs) And within the space of a year to like, I think it was about from a year to like three years, it turned into like 100 bulbs, turned into about 4,000 bulbs. (laughs) (laughs) And so mum and dad's half an acre backyard very quickly turned into, um, let's just say dad very quickly lost all of his lawn. And it all turned into garden beds and how many bulbs and flowers can we cram in? (laughs) And mum and dad's garden got taken over and, like, it became my happy place. It was, like, if everything else that was going on, it was the one place where I felt safe and it just gave me joy back. Like, it started to give me life back and it, I would say my that my brother doing that for me at a point where I was at, it saved my life. Like Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. 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 It was a really powerful and beautiful story. Yeah. Um, what an amazing brother to have. Um, yeah. So is he still gardening with you? Yeah. So he oh, um lovely. so he has a full time job and then after he finishes his full time job, he'll come around to um mum and dad's place where we um do all the flowers. And he'll um, help me split tubers or um, he'll help build more garden beds or do the irrigation or we'll um, have a chat about what we're doing next. And so we'll have our little business meetings, as he calls them. And so (laughs) he's the um, silent partner. (laughs) (laughs) So so, so so even though it's technically seemingly my thing, it's really Mm -hmm. like it's it's the family. So mum and dad have put in a lot of work and, my brother puts in a lot of work. So without them, I could not do this by myself. Yeah. And what are you growing? Um, so, yeah. So yeah. we grow a lot of dahlias and okay. like dahlia tubers. And we also have, I, we still have daffodils because mm-hmm. we have reduced the daffodils a little bit because the dahlias have taken over more. But yeah. we, so we have a lot of um, daffodils and other spring bulbs. So like freesias and ranunculus and, all sorts of all the good things like babianas and so we have some sweet peas and some cosmos and so just every all the fun things that we can cram in mum's garden (laughs) (laughs) and we're going to start we've um got lots lots of different um annuals that we're trialing in small small amounts as well so yeah yeah so what do you find the easiest to grow (laughs) Um, (laughs) is anything easy (laughs) well I would say 
for some reason, bulbs are actually pretty easy to grow. So dahlias are probably a little bit more labor intensive because you need to make sure they're watered and you've got to make sure they're staked or supported. But really, daffodils and a lot of the other bulbs, you put them in the ground, you leave them alone most of the time, and they'll they'll flower and then yeah. they'll die down. And for, for the first season, I was like, they're dead, they're dead, they've got, they're gone, what did I do to them? And then, that, like magic, they come back. <laughs> and pretty much guaranteed they'll come back unless you do something seriously disastrous to them. But yeah. it's it's very unlikely that that will happen. <laughs> so I think, like, daffodils and stuff are very hardy. Yeah. I yeah. must admit I'm not a gardener and I planted some freesias this year yeah. and they've started to sprout oh. up and I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're I've growing. actually managed to do something. They're growing. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It's just bulbs to me, I just find them in some ways they're like a little bit of a miracle because it's like mm. in some ways they resonate a bit with me because it's like through everything it's seeming like it seems like they're dead and they're done and everything's over, but then they come back to life again. Yeah. And it's, yeah, so uh, in some ways that's another bit why I like them. It's your spirit flower. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I love them a bit so much. Yeah. So what drives you? What makes you kind of get up and out into the garden every day? I would say the fact that me just being in the garden and just being able to pick, like, just wander around and pick a bunch of flowers and that being in that beauty reminds me that there is beauty in the world, especially when I've got like all the medical stuff going on. I need Mm. to be reminded that there is that beauty, but also the fact that being able to put smiles on people's faces, because when you give people a bunch of flowers, even if it's out of the blue, their faces just light up, especially when they're like, you grew this. And it just, that's what drives me. But also being able to, because we've started um, selling our daily tubers and like I would love to start doing floral workshops, which has been a bit delayed because because of the virus and stuff going on oh, at the moment. Yeah, of course. But being able to pass on that passion because being able to get into the garden and show people that they can grow things because I know how, how – being in the garden is so good for your soul and so good for your mental health. And I know what it's done for me. That's mm. something that I would like to pass on more to others. And that's what I partly love about being able to send my little dahlia babies into the world is I'm passing a little, I feel like I'm passing a little bit of that on. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah. I definitely feel that way about flowers when I give them to brides and yeah you know um and they hold such memories for people too which is lovely I feel like it's a little bit corny but anyway yeah (laughs) (laughs) so what have you learned along the way um and how did you learn did you just trial and error or have you done a lot of research um so I would say a lot of this is partly is a lot of credit to my brother so he's done a fair bit of research into a lot of the more technical stuff about what to feed them and all the irrigation and all those kinds of things. So a lot of the credit goes to him. Um, but so I am also a florist. So I've done um, a floristry course through Bloom College and I've done a um, 
more like a semi-floral business course through Emma mm. Lemke. Um, but also I would guess it's more I've done a lot of following people on Instagram and asking questions. I'll, um, I'm on a lot of um, different flower farmer and micro flower farmer pages on um, Facebook and I feel like mm. there's a lot of all that kind of social stuff in learning from other people. And um, all those kinds of things. So it's kind of, in some ways, it's kind of just getting out there and doing it. I'm also a part of the um, Dahlia Society of Victoria. And so that's where we've got a lot of our information about growing the dahlias, which which is our main crop. And we've found that's been very beneficial for getting the nitty gritty and being able to do that really, really well. Yeah, so what would you say is your favourite sort of Australian Facebook group or um, support network? Would it be the Dahlia Society or would it be, um, I guess, something else? That's a really, that's a really, really <laughs> hard call. I would say I probably have two and one yeah. is probably the Dahlia Society of Victoria and then the mm. other one is it's actually called the Dahlia um, Australian Dahlia sales swap page. So okay. it's pretty. I would say pretty much most of the Australian Dahlia nuts yeah. <laughs> are, are on that page. And so there's a lot of um, passionate ones on there. But also the micro flower farmer, Australian micro flower farmer page is very, very good for the smaller growers like us, which is very, very helpful. And there's a lot of people who's You've got a question, you'll pop it up and then people very quickly are like, well, this is where you can find this product or this is how you deal with this pest or problem or it depends yeah. what kind of question you've got, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's good for um, other people to know who might be starting out though, like the yeah. um, different resources that are out yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any knowledge that you would like to share, maybe a little snippet of something that you've learnt um, or something that you wish you had known when you first started? Um, that's really hard. Um, I guess what I wish I'd known is is probably a bit harder than I thought it was going to be, but mm. also with a lot of things you just have to get out there and try it because with some things I am a bit scared of doing it and failing it but with flowers and growing thing is a lot of the time you just have to get out there and plant it and if it doesn't grow so well you'll learn better for next time because with flowers if it grows well in someone's backyard doesn't necessarily mean it's going to grow well in yours you've just got to get out there I would say you've just got to get out there and try it and if it doesn't work well you'll you learn and you you'll learn from that because you've got to just kind of learn as you go which is kind of really hard because everyone's garden is different so yeah so that's one thing that I would say is the most important thing is just try things yeah and do you have a favorite tool (laughs) a favorite tool so this is a very cheeky tool I would say uh my my brother (laughs) my uh my manual labor yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> He's definitely my favourite tool. My digger, my builder, my irrigation plumber. He does um, many things. I'm very grateful for him. 
Oh, that's amazing. Um, so how do you view the industry as a whole? Um, I guess in that question I mean oh, being a flor- having a florist background as well, do you find it hard to find a lot of local flowers? Well, I guess not for you, but say if you were going to the market, yeah, does that question make sense? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I am only – I'm, I would say, relatively new to the industry, so I haven't been around in it for a very long time. But I would say that one thing I find do find difficult is it's very hard to know what is local and what is not because there's no – especially even when you ask, say, the wholesaler or whatever, oh, is this locally grown – some will be knowledgeable and will know, oh, this is locally grown, this is in season, but often there's no real information out there about, well, this one's act flower is actually in season, so then it's very hard. So if I don't know and haven't done the research, it's very hard to be able to pass that on to the customer and be able to inform the customer And because mm. personally I don't grow everything, so I do need to supplement what I grow with purchased flowers and if the people I'm buying the flowers from don't know where the flowers are coming from or can't don't really can't really be bothered to then inform me Mm. it's very hard to be able to deal with that because I would like to purchase locally ones if possible and it's it's sometimes it's hard to then the microflower farmers page is great, but it's sometimes it's a bit hard to like try and find growers in your area so you can just purchase direct from them. So you can kind yeah. of make your own little collective, I guess. So you can yeah. kind of yeah, so you can kind of support each other, which is what I think is what we is good to try and promote to support each other rather than because I think do think locally grown flowers are very important. Oh, definitely. And why do you think that locally grown flowers are really important? Well, I would say even just to support the smaller growers because it's supporting the Australian industry and Mm. I think we do – flowers that are grown here are often – they have a longer vase life. Often the quality is greatly improved. The – and – off mostly the flowers well I can't say all of them because well I can't promise that but often the flowers that are imported they're dipped in a lot of pesticides and chemicals and all those kinds of things and uh, me as a florist I don't really want to be handling those once I get them and I don't really want to be passing them on to the customer and sometimes they'll have they'll last okay but often especially around like very busy holidays you send them out to the customer and those flowers are dead a day later because they've been stored for far too long than they should be. And so yeah. I the, I would say that locally grown flowers have a significantly um, improved quality and vase life and you can often get varieties that may not be able to be imported well because some varieties yeah. just don't travel well at all. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So do you sell to florists? So I sell to some florists, yes, but we haven't built up a huge um, base at this point, which we were hoping to do um, 
start last year, um, but I yeah. ended up in hospital for a significant period of time, yeah. which just made um, our season, the start to our season, a little bit difficult. But we're st- yeah. we're slowly starting to build our um, florist base. Yeah, and to buy from you, do you have a website or yes. do they just contact you via Instagram? Yeah, so if they wanted to contact us, they can contact us via Instagram, which is Mountjoy Cottage, or um, we do have a website, which is um, www.mountjoycottage.com.au, and then there's a contact us form on there, and they can just contact us through that. We don't have flowers all parts of the year. But um, yeah. we do have like spring flowers and then we have the dahlias and those kinds of things. And we'll, um, we do also have the floristry type products, which we can help you out with other, with, with um, other ones throughout the year, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So when you package up your flowers to sell them to people, yeah. do you just have a bucket exchange or do you use plastic sleeves or do you use rubber bands how do you normally package your flowers so we usually use um we were using um brown paper sleeves and um rubber bands but then the the Mm. supplier who was making the brown paper sleeves um closed down so we we lately we've just been using um just plain rubber bands and we just try and um pack them nicely in a bucket um, and then we yeah. just do like a bucket switch over with the florist or if we're selling it to a customer, we'll just wrap them in um, in paper, yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than plastic. Yeah, great. And um, so for you, do you think that uh, there's anything that we can do to kind of further educate the industry in terms of seasonality of flowers? Yeah, I think we can because I think – because of the prevalence of social media and all those kind and Pinterest and all those kinds of things, often people don't actually know what flowers are in season and where flowers come from and all those kinds of things. So like, especially when a customer comes to you and for like a bridal bouquet or that kind of thing. And um, they're like, Oh, can we have this flower? And they're often very shocked when you say, well, that flower is definitely not in season at that point. So I think mm. we, if we could um, improve on the promotion of, as in like the like labelling, saying these ones are grown in Australia or these ones aren't, and then the because then I think that would improve of the the fact of like because then people would start. I think people it would filter into people knowing which flowers would be available in different parts of the year. Yeah. I think there also needs to be improved um, knowledge being passed on to the florists of which flowers are actually Australian and which flowers are not. Because often as a customer, before I became a florist, I would go into a florist and I'd say, oh, are these ones local or are these ones not? Or even what type of flower, what flower is this? And the florist would have no, no clue because they would just buy it. They just, but they wouldn't actually care. And so I think yeah. there needs to be an imp- I that that's definitely not the case for all florists, but I think there yeah. definitely needs to be improved um I would say education on that front. Yeah, definitely. And I think just for people that's partly why I've started this podcast yeah. is so that maybe the general public 
can feel a little bit more empowered to go in and say, oh, is this in season or does this come from a local farm? Because I think, yeah, it is important. So do you have, if you had to leave your farm really quickly, what three seeds or three tubers (laughs) or three flowers would you take with you? This is hard. You're only allowed three. I'm I only know, allowed three. Everyone gets I'm stuck. only allowed three. Okay. <laughs> so I would definitely take my fluffy pink daffodils because they're my absolute favorite and I can't go past daffodils because they just, they just make me happy inside. I would yeah. take Cosmos seeds because they, oh, yep. I just love Cosmos. Oh, I love it too. And they just, beautiful. and they just bloom all season long. And I would probably take sweet pea seeds because they're incredibly fragrant. And we have a little old lady who lives next door to us. And um, she's getting quite elderly and she can't, she used to have a beautiful garden and she can't really garden much anymore. And so I often will just take her a, a, like a little bouquet or a little jar of flowers and pop it on her doorstep. And every time I take her sweet peas, she just gets the jar and lifts it up to her face and takes a a big sniff, big deep breath in and goes, oh, I just love them so much. And she just smells them because sweet peas are yeah. her absolute favourite. So I just can't go past sweet peas. Oh, and do you have a favourite flower? I think I know what you're going to say. Here. <laughs> definitely <laughs> daffodils, definitely daffodils, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wonderful. And who inspires you the most in the industry and also within your farm, which I probably know as your brother, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, in the industry, who would inspire you the most? Um, in some ways, I feel like this possibly could be a little bit cliche, but no, I'm actually quite inspired by Florit because I feel like she had yeah. very humble beginnings and in some ways that's a little bit what I aspire to do is I want to – like start doing workshops and I want to be able to share like share that beauty with everybody and do those kinds of things and be able to teach people in the process which I feel like she has done quite a lot it's just hard to in some ways translate the seasons a little bit from America to Australia which I feel like would be great for someone to do um but definitely my family I'm very inspired by my parents and my brother. So yeah, my, they put in a phenomenal amount of effort for me. Um, so they're always in the garden, my mum weeding and moving things and planting and my dad digging holes and planting things and doing hard work and building garden beds and my brother teaching me all the things and getting me out into the garden in the first place. Like without yeah. them, this would never have happened and, my parents never even had to give up their garden for me, really, and yeah. they did. So I am will be eternally grateful to them because their garden or our garden is, is truly, it's my happy place. Like, it's my sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's been so inspiring to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks. An amazing story. <laughs> Thanks. And your garden is an outstanding. It's Thank just so you. beautiful. Yeah. And I love 
what you aspire to do. Um, Thanks. It's really great. And I wish you all the very best. Thank you. And I hope that you listen back to this and love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's been amazing. Um, was there anything else you wanted to share before we um, wrapped up? I think just the fact that, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to um, the the coming seasoning, being able to um, see what comes with starting our tuber sales again and see what happens because I think it's been a very tough year for everybody and I just yeah. love how everyone's started to go into their gardens more and have been looking to flowers and gardens and all those kinds of things. I think more than they used to be. So I'm really yeah, getting interested. Getting back to nature. So I'm really interested to see how that reflects almost. But I'm just very excited because I just love sending my little tuba babies on their way. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much. And thank you yeah. for taking the time out of your evening That's okay. to, speak to me. It's been wonderful. It's been very nice to chat to you. Oh, thank you, Kirsten. All right. Thank you. We'll speak soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Dish the Dirt. Thank you so much to Kristen for sharing your inspirational story. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. You can get in touch with Kristen at Mountjoy Cottage via her Instagram at Mountjoy Cottage or their website mountjoycottage.com.au. Please keep looking out for Kristen's workshops and her floral studio opening. Um, Such an exciting prospect and yeah I wish you all the very best with it thanks for all the feedback I will be asking your questions to the growers and we do have a variety of growers coming in the future episodes all of these episodes are recorded well in advance because in my household it can be a little tricky to fit everything in at times even in lockdown actually more so in lockdown than any other time so I try to get ahead of myself so please keep listening because I'm getting there I promise again if you are in Victoria or anywhere severely affected by COVID-19 my thoughts are with you stay safe stay smiling stay at home and keep being blooming fabulous